Tomorrow, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tomorrow, only on Disney+. Plus. TV, comics, movie stars, hit singles and some toys. It's trivia and dirty jokes, an evening with the boys. Once is never good enough for something so fantastic. Here's another Gilbert and Franks. Here's another Gilbert and Franks. Here's another Gilbert and Franks. Colossal classic. This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre, and we're once again recording at Nutmeg with our engineer Frank Verderosa. Our guest this week is a director, writer, actor, and one of the most original and audacious comedians of his generation. He began his stand-up career at the tender age of 15 and was soon headlining clubs, selling out theaters, and performing in concert specials like Share the Warmth and An Evening with Bobcat Goldthwait. As an actor you know him from popular films like One Crazy Summer, Scrooge, Burglar, Tapeheads, Flow, and three Police Academy films which he refers to as his porn past. (laughs) You've seen him on television in hit shows like Married with Children, ER, The Ben Stiller Show, That 70s Show, The Larry Sanders Show, Mad TV, Bob's Burgers, and as the advice-dispensing bunny, Mr. Floppy on Unhappily Ever After. I'm also told there was a memorable Jay Leno appearance somewhere in there. (laughs) He's also been praised for his work behind the camera, directing everything from episodes of Chappelle's show to Jimmy Kimmel Live to comedy specials for performers like Mark Maron and Patton Oswalt to the feature films Sleeping Dogs Lie, God Bless America, the acclaimed award-winning documentary Lucky Me, the Robin Williams star of World's Greatest Dad, and of course Shakes the Clown, which the Boston Globe called the Citizen Kane of Alcoholic Clown Movies. Please welcome to the podcast an artist of many talents, and a man who once repelled naked from the ceiling during a Nirvana concert, my old hot to trot co-star, 
<laughs> Bobcat Goldthwait. Oh, well, thank you, Gilbert. That was uh, a eulogy. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like we should have had the, the sad entertainment tonight music playing. Yeah. Well, he usually adds found dead in his L.A. apartment. Yes. Yeah. For some of yeah. these. That's and, all we had to do. And I remember uh, one critic called Hot to Trot. <laughs> <laughs> a a justifiable, notoriously awful movie. Wow. Yeah, it's uh but you know you should revisit it because uh it's 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 really not what you think. If you go back, it's um it's bad. <laughs> Is that the, really, the movie you called the, the the movie with no name? With you, you, yeah, you, you and was, your daughter discuss it. My daughter would never. Yeah, it wasn't. Even, she didn't know it had a name. It was just <laughs> that 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 fucking horse movie. Her whole life growing up. I remember. I I ran into Buck Henry somewhere because he also did a yeah. cameo in that. And and I said to Buck Henry, I said, "We've never met, but we both appeared in the same movie." And he looked at me and in a most horrified, disgusted way, <laughs> he goes, H-T-T? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Th- that's what it was called at my house. H-T-T. <laughs> it really was. It really was. I was lying when I said the effing horse movie. But I, um, you know, uh, that horse, uh, there's a lot of things wrong with that movie, but that horse hated me. <laughs> Really? Oh, yeah, because it would, because, because uh, uh, horses don't really talk, and um, <laughs> do you know this is terrible. They would, they would hit the horse in the, and I really love animals, and they would hit the horse in the mouth with a stick. Oh, to make geez. it talk. Yeah, and so, so you know, Robin Williams was my pal, and he's like, "So how's it going?" And I was like, "Um." It would be like doing Mork and Mindy, and then just before they say action, someone punched Pam Dauber in the mouth. <laughs> that's that's what it's like. <laughs> I remember, I remember uh, there was this old guy. I think his name was Bucky, and he would his he was a cowboy, and he the horse would lift up its tail, and, and he would be like a ninja, and he would get uh, a shovel uh, and catch the crap before it ever hit the floor, and. And uh, one day I see the tail go up, and uh, and he's uh, Corky was his name. Corky didn't, and he didn't even get off the apple box. And the horse had diarrhea, and it just it just oh, sh- shat all over the wall like a Jackson Pollock painting, and all over <laughs> myself, and it was horrible. And the the, the AD is like, "Well, that's a wrap." I I remember that horse almost killed me. Yes, yeah. there was one. <laughs> There was one scene where I'm like talking to the horse, of course. Of course. And and the horse got upset and and you know went and and stood up on two legs. Oh my god. And I and and the trainer, the man, you know, whatever the horse's own owner was, he goes, he was blaming me. <laughs> he said, because I jumped out of the way. And I said, I jumped out of the way because the horse was about to crush me. Yeah, there was a 1,400-pound animal. Yes. So uh, I jumped out of the way. Yeah, it once, like, st- it stood on my foot, and I just was screaming. And people were like, oh, he's, 
<laughs> he's doing his act. He's always in character, that one. Want to make a little bet? You know I ain't got nothing to bet. Yeah, bet this turd. I couldn't, I couldn't bet my turd. Horse. Chicken shit, huh? Okay, I'll bet this horse. Again, against what? What do you have to bet? Well, let's see. Um, can you break a 20? I'll bet my horse against your horse. Hey, now that's <laughs> ridiculous. Chicken shit? Who are you? Who are you calling chicken shit? Calling you chicken shit. You're a chicken shit, chicken shit. Okay, Freddy, I'll make the bet. My horse against your horse. All my horses against your horse. Sweetheart, you can't do that. Sweetheart, what do you think I am, chicken shit? That's a bet, Fred. Including satin doll. Including satin doll. No, not my satin doll too. Darling, don't be a chicken shit. You're on, Freddy. And uh, I I remember too. Let's let's. Oh, there's a few things about that. Who did you play? I was the at the, the very end. I come in as the. Dentist. Oh, you were the dentist, right? That's right. And they now horses don't sit down. And if you yeah. know anything about horses, so they built a dentist chair, and they were forcing the horse to sit uh, in it. It was just, I uh, you know. Uh. I'm not Bob Barker or uh, yeah, with animals Betty White, or Betty White, but well, I no. was I was riding on this fake horse that was uh, covered in actual horse. <laughs> they, they stretched a hide over oh, a plastic horse, oh. and they took me out on the racetrack, and and people are like, Bill, Bill, like the other horses I recognize. <laughs> 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 they, they're terrified. Yeah. Do you at least have fun working with Dabney Coleman? Yeah, I mean that whole movie was uh, that whole movie actually kind of got me directing. I was just like, this is such a bad experience. <laughs> really? Yeah, it really was. After that, I went and shot a short uh, called "The Making of Bikini School 3. and that's kind of what started me uh, directing. And it was a short. It was kind of making fun of Police Academy, and um, you know, like. Uh, the, you know, the producers, I lose money in Canada. The crews are just technically more advanced. And then, um, you know, the director would be pontificating and it would just be a scene where a bird's shitting on a guy's head and the director's going, and poop, and poop. <laughs> but um, it had Kathy Griffin in it and David Spade and a bunch of folks like before they popped, you know. So as bad as the film was, you kind of owe it a debt of gratitude for getting I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really... Started. It did. It did. It did launch me onto uh, becoming a director. Yeah. And do you feel like more, like mature and also in charge as a director than as a performer? Um, I think it's really close to being a stand-up. You know, because when you're on stage doing stand-up comedy, you're always thinking about nine hundred other things. You know, one, what am I going to say next? What am I doing next? What if? That drunk guy keeps talking, you know, did the checks go out? So you're kind of multitasking as a comedian. Um, so some of that skills is the same skill set. I think that helped a lot when I, I directed Kimmel. You know, I did like 300-some episodes of that when it was live. Well, it was still there was a delay, but it was pretty live. And um, that's a lot like doing stand-up. Uh, and um, I, 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 it was funny. I just did, did Patton's new special in Chicago, and it was really – 
uh, he, you know, he was amazing. He was brilliant as always. And then, you know, he addressed his wife passing away and, uh, there wasn't a dry eye in the house, but I went back into the mode that I was when I was directing Kimmel and I'm looking in the audience to get cutaways of people crying, you know? And when I was on Kimmel, I'd be looking in the audience to finding like, you know, like Jimmy would tell a joke that didn't land and I'd cut to a guy who was actually asleep in the audience. But it was, it was I felt a little bit like a ghoul, but I, I also feel that I really did successfully capture that night that the show that Patton did. And I don't think he's ever going to do that set again. It was pretty strong and powerful. Oh, wow. One time only. Well, kind I, of, you know. Yeah. No, no. I was I was going to say I love in comedy specials or anything with an audience if they make a joke about a black guy. <laughs> Then the <laughs> camera desperately has to find cuts, a black guy cuts, in the cuts audience. To a black guy. I wanted to just keep doing that, you know, and just say, "Hey, I was in Alaska. What is it with these Inuit people?" And then cut to uh, someone with, with a baby seal in the front row. Yeah, that's always that. Yeah, I don't. That's the worst. And certain shows were even worse at it than others. I think the old evening at the Improv was the king of that. Oh yeah. Where they would, the cutaways to the uh, to the uh, suddenly that person is forced to be the representation of their heritage, and and the thing is, for the most part, unless it's like a Chris Rock or Kevin Hart special, if it's the average comic, you don't find that many blacks in the audience. So it's really a desperate search. So they have to go hunting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or they sometimes will go to a, a casting service. <laughs> And they'll say, "Well, I do a, I do a lot of material on Asian drivers. So if we could have a, an Asian guy in a NASCAR burn suit, that would be great." And now the real reason you guys listen to this show, of course, the commercials. Live from Nutmeg Post. We now return to Gilbert and Frank's amazing colossal podcast. Bobcat, a couple of things about Kimmel. First of all, I heard you say that that Jimmy took a chance on you when you weren't doing a lot oh, of directing. Yeah. Or no, yeah, I mean, You're basically, gra- grateful people to him. Were, people were using my name as a punchline, and Jimmy. But you know, the funny thing is, is ABC would never kind of uh, mention or promote the fact that I was the director, even though I was there for three years. It'd be like, you know, the guy who's banned from the other talk shows. Yeah. He's, he's driving the bus over here. Wow. So yeah. And you did 300 uh, of them. It's like even more, I think it's like 350. Wow. Yeah. Like, wow. yeah. So, so, um, yeah, I loved that job. It was really fun. But then I, I started making small indie movies while I was there and then I kind of just left. Uh, but we're still friends and stuff. I didn't leave. Well, at least at, at least tell Gilbert the Nickelback story since we're talking oh. about Kimmel because it's fun. Well, um, Nickelback they might be nice guys, but their manager was a, a dick, and uh, <laughs> he, he he came into the booth and he's like, "Who's the director?" And I'm like, "I, I am." And he goes, uh, "Don't shoot Chad profile." And I go, oh, "Who's Chad?" And he's like, "Our lead singer." And I was like. Whoa. Why can't I shoot him from the side? And he's like, because he has a big nose. And I was like, okay, I won't shoot Chad profile. And I was kind of laughing. I go, okay, I won't. And then <laughs> and the cameraman could hear me in, in the headset. And uh, one of them goes, pussy. So um, <laughs> if 
if you ever seen the Kimmel Show, the band will do two songs, and as it's doing the second song, the show goes off the air. So I just, I said uh, to the assistant director, I go, Kathy, tell me when I have 10 seconds left. She goes, okay. And I'm like, camera six, camera four. And then she goes, 10 seconds. And I go, shoot the nose. And seven cameras zoomed in on this guy's nose. And uh, <laughs> I made a nose montage. I love it. And then we went off the air. And then it was dead quiet in the headset, and the crew's like, "What are we gonna do?" I go, uh, "I'm getting in my car." But um, that made it. That made the East Coast broadcast. But then they re-edited it for the rest of the country. Now, and they you- re-edited it, and they just there was one sh- camera that couldn't zoom in, so it's just this weird wide shot hanging at the end of the show. It's a good story. Now you said something before. If I could jump back to that about how you think about loads of things uh, when you're doing a stand-up set. Yeah. And I find, and I I used to hear this about dramatic actors and singers who look like they're performing their guts out and that they're thinking of other things. And I find that all the time, I'll be doing a set, I'll be up there screaming, running around, and I'll be thinking like, oh, God, I... I used to have this pair of green socks. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't seen those. Did I? Oh, we, we, did I? we talked to did Stephen I? Wright. He said the same thing. Yeah. He said that his mind wanders sometimes. Yeah. Uh, did I Did I turn the oven off? Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, I, I think, though, um, yeah, it's a weird combo of trying to stay in the moment and then at the same time not, uh, yeah, we're, we're doing, we're really multitasking when we're up there. I think it's funny. You and I have similar careers, I feel. I, I we, also feel we that. We both I, started at 15. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. Both started as teenagers. And also just, I mean, seriously, when they get to the Rolodex, uh, if they can't get one, they get the other. Uh, yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the same. It's just, it's a, uh, I mean, uh, there is a, we were saying, uh, there, I did get a call from Aflac when you got Fired. Oh, like you I got did? a call. Oh, yeah. yeah, I really did. I don't, I don't know if you knew that ever, but yes, I did. And and for a minute, I was like, I wouldn't do that. My friend Gilbert and I'm walking around the house, like, well, you know, maybe I could make it my own. Maybe if I didn't, as long as I wasn't derivative of what he had done. <laughs> you know. And then I just said, you can tell those people to go fuck off. <laughs> it's like, oh, if, thank if, you. if you were mad at him, you're not. Gonna, it's not going to take long for you to be furious at me. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. You were doing a bit about it for a while. Well, it wasn't even a bit, yeah. actually. During a live taping, someone, and it was the day yeah. of, uh, I was performing, and someone yelled Aflac up. And I think they actually just thought I was you. I can't remember. But, well, they yelled Aflac sucks. Yeah, Aflac yeah. sucks. So yeah. in solidarity, but they just got the comic wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This taping is part of the alimony tour. I am. Uh, we are all paying for a pool that none of us swim in. Um, that sounded dirtier than I wanted to sound. I'm, I'm not implying my ex-wife's vagina is the size of a swimming pool. Aflac sucks. Aflac sucks. Do you really think I'm Gilbert Gottfried? <laughs> I'm not Gilbert Godfrey. I can truly, when he got fired, uh, uh, this happened today. When he got fired, 
I gotta tell you, I go, maybe they'll call. <laughs> I spent the afternoon walking around the house quacking. Affleck, Affleck, Affleck. No, I gotta make it my own. Affleck. There you go. There, I'll put a, I'll put a spin on it. Snappity do. Are you ever confused for me or for anyone else? Do people ever say, uh, you know? It's, I, I, you know who I used to get confused with? Who people used to say when I was walking down the street, hey, uh, Gary Shandling. Gary no. Shandling. Are you serious? A foot yeah. taller than you. Yeah. Yeah. But as far as uh, you and me, what I've always noticed, the times that we'll be talking to each other, People walk past us and go, oh, 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 boy, it's those two together. We better make a run for it. Yeah. Oh, and it's like, and meanwhile, where they're going, I, I, they're going to be serving lunch soon. Uh, it's, or we're, we're, we're talking about children, our children. Yes. <laughs> it's like living on the edge. Hey, can I, I don't know how much you, because I don't. You have uh, you're very odd when it comes to self promotion. You're not uh, very good at it. Um, <laughs> I, he's pretty shameless about it, though. Well, but it's funny. He's live dates and things like that. He's fine, but I, I don't know. Have how uh, I, I saw your documentary and it, it is um, amazing. Actually, I think it's great. I mean, everybody knows you're brilliant and hilarious and all that, but uh, you walk away with a better understanding of Gilbert, but I, in no way does it diminish you as a comedian or talent. It's a, it's very heartfelt. It's, it's really well done. And, uh, I, I don't know. I just love the movie. Oh, yeah, well, we'll tell you. Neil, the filmmaker, Neil Berkeley. Yeah. 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 It's really great. You know, I, I think people, um, you know, don't understand, uh, comics, uh, who people accuse of going over the line, you know, it's it makes it pretty clear that it's a, a defense mechanism, and it's not a defense mechanism aimed at oh, I'm going to uh, protecting ourselves. It's actually a bigger defense mechanism when something so horrible happens. It's how we uh, how we deal with it. You know, I don't know. I, I just felt uh, I really loved the movie, and I thought it was great. Oh, thank you. Because I remember that was the most recent we saw each other. Was I yeah. Think. Now, were you terrified when they turned the cameras on you? Uh, yeah, I hated every second. <laughs> you resi- well, you resisted uh, yeah. it for a long oh, time, too, oh, when, I, when Neil first approached yeah, you. Yeah, I resisted it. I hated him following me. I hated waking up in the morning and he'd uh. be there. And I hated... <laughs> Poor I, Neil. I fucking hated watching the movie because, to me, it's like what hell must be. Right, like you right. die, and it goes. Okay, now you're gonna sit here, and you're gonna watch your life here. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I made a documentary about my friend Barry Crimmins, and uh, uh, I never showed it to him until he, he. The first time he saw it was sitting in a theater with me uh, at Sundance, and um, I didn't and naively. I thought, well, you know, he'll like it, but yeah, it was terrifying for him. It was, or it was just, you know, he's just the first. 20 minutes, he's just like, oh, why'd you talk to this asshole? Ugh. You know, just... <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, don't worry, by the end I make you Jesus. You know, it's, it, you know, I I tell his story. He's an incredible man and, and stuff, but... He did a heroic um, thing, Barry Crimmins. 
take sure, it, take and, it. Yeah. And, and he continues to. He's yeah. uh, he's a he's a, a great comedian and a, and you know he doesn't like the word hero, but yeah, he is a hero. And and that was why I wanted to make the movie. It wasn't just because he was my pal and I love him. Uh, I just thought his story, you know, his story. I'll tell it quickly. He uh, as a as an adult in the mid-90s, he disclosed on stage that he'd been raped as a kid when he was four. And while he's looking for other survivors, he found all these guys exchanging child pornography on the Internet. This is back when AOL was basically the only game in town. He complained to AOL. He went to the police. He went to the feds. Nobody did anything. So he poses some kids and collected all this evidence against all these uh, predators. And he took AOL all the way to the floor of the Senate during a judiciary hearing and uh, in the meantime, he definitely, his personality shifted. But I knew I was going to make the movie because when he went to the floor of the Senate, it read like a Frank Capra film, you know, this outsider taking yeah, on very the establishment. Much so. Yeah. But there was one moment with him when he was talking about the man who had done these things to him and, and he had just found out that he had that guy had died in prison. And I said, well, do you... How do you feel? And he says, well, I feel bad. And I was like, because you didn't get to confront him, that there was no closure. And he said, no, the guy died alone. And uh, at that moment, I thought, I'm going to win so many awards. <laughs> no, uh, at that moment, I... <laughs> what? So he had at that com- moment, I was like... Yeah, I go. He had to, compassion to go. For, for the person who victimized him. I don't know if his compassion is. I don't know. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, it was the fact to to take all that rage and and uh, and to be able to yeah have empathy for for this person. Is so yeah. I mean, that was honestly. I was so moved by that. That was what fueled me to go make the movie. I, I didn't think I was going to win awards, but we ended up anyways. But yeah. Yeah, Boston Film Festival and a bunch of others. Sure, yeah, this, yeah. You know, I I told you this at the premiere. Uh, Back a while ago, well, uh, first of all, we should say that I I met your family, you know, years ago. You know, when my daughter was tiny and my stepson was young, yeah. And and tell us, uh, yeah. What about, yeah, he's like, (laughs) <laughs> Does he know what you're your referencing? Your favorite comic? <laughs> well, yeah, but she, my daughter, since she was little, who's your favorite comic? You'd be like Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> you know, your dad. Uh, your dad does some animation too. You know, it was always Gilbert. She was always uh, in love with him, and still is as an adult. You know, big fan of Gilbert's. And but it's uh, at least she has good taste. You know, I mean, it would have bummed me out if it was somebody who was a hack. You know. <laughs> And and you said she used to uh, brag to her friends. Oh, brag! She used to brag. Yeah, yeah. She used to brag uh, about being your fr- <laughs> that you were her friend. <laughs> That's how she would say it. <laughs> and but I remember. Yep, a, oh. oh God! No, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I remember you said to me years ago, before I was married or anything, you said, you know, you would make a great father. Yeah, and I believe yeah, because uh, um, yeah, I just saw that w- when you were around my kids. You know, there was something uh, you've always just been so open um, uh, with kids. You know, you didn't talk down to them. You were always kind of on their own playing field. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna know, say being immature of, helps. Yeah, 
Yeah, and most adults, most adults, kids are invisible to, and uh, and that wasn't the case with you. Yeah, I always thought that that you'd be a great dad. So when and, you know, if, and if folks see that movie, they'll they'll get a really uh, good idea. Of that. Oh yeah, Lily has some of the greatest moments in the film, actually. Oh yes. Yeah. So when Dara says, "I have three kids," when uh, she yes. says that to me, yeah, yeah that's, that's that's where some of the camaraderie comes from. He is great with his kids, Bobcat. Yeah, but he I really don't is. think like. But when when Dara says that, I don't think it's it's a slam as much as uh, just a pretty accurate portrayal. <laughs> how did you how did you like the scene where she's pulling the uh, the containers, the giant Tupperwares from under the bed, and she's going through yeah, like 20, I, 20 I, years of of <laughs> deodorant and hotel soaps. <laughs> you, I, look, I'm not saying Gilbert's not a flawed man. I just. If you don't get those soaps from a hotel, do you feel like the sh- you 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 messed up? That the uh, show yes. is not complete, or is it worse? Do you think something tragic's going to happen? I, I'm trying I, to figure out this compulsion. I am like I put those people on those hoarder shows to shame. Yeah, I, do you? But do you use the you soap? Know you, yeah, you're yeah. never. You're never going to be able to use all of that no. soap and No, shampoo. I'll have to leave them in my will. Yeah, that's true. Bequeath it to your family. It's pretty insane. The first thing I do when I go into a hotel is I go to the bathroom and see, okay, I've got a shampoo here, conditioner, skin lotion. <laughs> and they're free. Yeah. So why not take yeah. them? <laughs> I uh, and they must and so when you go back to a club and and the people behind the desk <laughs> recognize you, are they waiting with the shampoos for you or a few times? They have do you been. let this room? Do you let uh, the uh, hotel staff back in so you can get more? Uh yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's bananas. It's really bananas. Neil made an excellent choice and a logical choice to have you in a stolen bathrobe on, oh, the, on, yes. the, on the post. Yes. Or a borrowed bathrobe. Yeah. So, so I, one thing that's not addressed, I don't think, in the movie is your connection to the Universal Monsters. I, I'm kind of interested in that. Well, oh, that's that just, interesting. Just when you were a kid, you, you saw them and you liked them, or did you think it, they were normal, or what was it? In, in the... Well, when I was growing up, it's like I always say this. When I was growing up, the greatest film school in the country was in your living room. Cause yeah, a million-dollar movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was packed all day with old movies, which were probably not that old when I was a kid watching them. Uh, but I— Yeah, I, those Universal pictures would have only been 30 years old. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it's like— um, I remember one channel, I think it was Channel 5, they had all the Bogart, Cagney, Robinson gangster films. And another would have musicals. And I, I watched all of them, but I fell in love with the Universal monster movies. And the, even the monogram, those lesser films. Right, right, right. But, but did you, uh, I mean, I guess I'm trying to think of what, is the similarity in all well, those I, characters? They are all loners. Okay. I mean, yeah, they're tragic. Here's too. here's the thing with monsters. It's like Dracula is what every boy wishes he was. Right. He's like he women fall 
unconscious in front of him, and he has control. They follow him. The, he's the Cosby of the yeah. <laughs> I am Dracula. Welcome to my castle. And <laughs> but Bob was ahead of the curve on the Cosby thing, by the way. I oh, and yeah, and I yeah, I was uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about there. I uh, I was reading an interview with Pat, and he said, you know, Bobcat Goldthwait's been talking about Bill Cosby being a rapist on stage for 20 years, yep. and I had, but I didn't know it was true. <laughs> I just I just always got creeped out by him. And thought it was kind of funny to say that. But oh. In in completion, the Wolfman is is uh, adolescence. Your sure. body oh, yeah. is changing. You have oh, no control. This is fascinating over your body. Yeah. Your everything is changing about you. Growing hair, uh, and Frankenstein is is a baby, and he just wants to be loved and understood and make friends. But yeah. Uh, if Frankenstein had been a, a baby that they had brought back to life, it would he wouldn't have been, <laughs> it wouldn't have been scary. It would have been nobody would have died. <laughs> it would have been adorable. Are you a fan of those movies? Too? Babies, yeah, uh, yeah. I couldn't find uh, that in my research. I know you were a Billy Wilder no, guy. I like well, I like all uh, you know. I like genre pictures, but mm-hmm. I. I think uh, Gilbert and I were probably watching a lot of the same movies, you know, like uh, Abbott and Costello and things like that. Oh, yeah, sure. And, you know, I used to think like, uh, you know, Lou Costello, uh, when I was a kid, I was like, man, that guy's a good actor. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I wouldn't think he was funny. I was just like, I, I really like his chops, man. That guy's, that guy, <laughs> he was like. Like Paul Newman to me or something. You know? <laughs> but uh, where where's Mummy land on? on yeah, I was this? just gonna ask that. What about the Mummy? Oh, the Mummy! Wow. You gotta you gotta go deeper into your. Uh... Yeah, that one. That yeah. one. I'm at a loss. For. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe it's just death. I mean, maybe it's just obvious. But I mean, I know that the comics have been talking about that for years. You know, uh, about about how not scary that. That monster was, yeah, because you know, he, he walks so he's slow. slow. He's yeah. really slow. <laughs> <laughs> and and Lon Chaney Jr. himself said, "I don't know why anybody watches those mummy pictures." <laughs> 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 you know who we had on this show, Bobcat? We had uh, Janet Ann Gallo, who was a child actress who was in Ghost of Frankenstein. She worked. Oh, with, wow. She worked with Chaney Jr. and and, and she said that. She played hide-and-go-seek with Cheney and Lugosi when they were in their film wow. Monster Maker. So we dug her up. Wow. We had her on the show. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, my, my buddy Charlie Brill, he, uh, when he was a kid, was in Broadway, and uh, Boris Karloff was playing, uh, he, was in, uh, he was Captain Hook in Peter Pan. And so Boris Karloff went to Charlie's Bar Mitzvah. Oh, wow. Oh, my oh, God. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> wow. Yeah. We got to get yeah. Charlie and Mitzi on this show. Oh, my God. And it yeah, was great the, to see Mitzi in World's Greatest Dad. Yeah, Charlie and Mitzi, for, you know, they're the folks. I mean, they, they've they had an amazing career, but they are the the they are the ones that went on Ed Sullivan uh, with yeah, the we, Beatles. Yeah, we were just yes. talking about them here last night. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. were the, that famous bombing, you know, where it's, you know, the Beatles did a couple sets. So after their first set, they come out 
And it's like, <laughs> we take you to a delicatessen in Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, <laughs> just screams. And at one point, he actually says to Mitzi, can you, can you hear me at all? <laughs> like they just, it was just deafening. It, I, I wonder if there's any photos of Boris Karloff wearing a yarmulke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll dig into that. Let's see Mal- if we can find you it. Tough, Charlie. Mal- <laughs> <laughs> well, well. Uh, Too gay, Char- you are a man. Um, so Charlie said that uh, uh, they were really bummed out after bombing so hard. And then John Lennon came into their dressing room. And he drew uh, a doodle of the two of them. You know how he would do those characters? Oh, yes. Yeah. And I was like, do you still have that? And he goes, no, I threw it out. I thought the guy was arrogant. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> well, I, I, I think Sullivan kind of fucked them up, too, because he cut. And you confirm, We'll confirm this with Charlie if we get him on, but I think Sullivan told them to change the act. Oh, probably, Like right yeah. before they went out, because he was, he was infamous uh, for doing that. So did he? It, it didn't help. Yeah, but you. You probably had that over the years where you would get a set together for a talk show and then they would come out and they would give you notes on your set. Oh, yes. Wasn't that the worst? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's old people who are not themselves funny. Yeah. And they're paranoid about what the host is going to make of what you say, I think. I mean, because I did it. Oh, yes. Joan Rivers was leaving the Tonight Show, and and the and Johnny Carson never wanted me on, and so as she was leaving, she booked me on as one of her last guests as an F you to the Tonight Show because they didn't know she was quitting the next day, and um, so when I went on, I just I I had her introduce me as a dog act, and um, I came out in top hat and tails, and then I was crying, and then I explained that my dog got hit by a car, <laughs> and. And and then I told my dad, and he said, is there anything I could do? I go, yeah, you could replace him. Please welcome Tom Goldthwaite. And I had a 70-year-old guy catch Frisbees in his mouth <laughs> and ride around on a tricycle. So, but then I remember Robert Morton, who was over at Letterman, and he was like, why, why didn't you do that on our show? And I was like, uh, but I pitched it to him, and he's like, you can't do that. Dave loves dogs. <laughs> There's always these weird, odd gatekeepers that were, and I was always, it was driving me nuts because I'd be like, how does Andy Kaufman get anything on the air? Does he tell them what he's going to do? Do they, you know, because do you, do you, like I would used to write two different uh, panels. Like I would write out what I would thought I would talk about. And then I would give them the panel that was safe that they could steer me in. Did you do that, Gil? You're not that hardworking. No. And the funny thing is... (laughs) I always <laughs> <laughs> to come in and just say hello to them no, is too, too much, much effort. Too much. And yeah. and I I was always the type who when I do a talk show and they'd always ask me like, well, can we lead you into a bit or uh, yeah. could you tell us some jokes about where you grew up? And you're and like, I well, I wrote say- this. I wrote this for me to do. Yes, yeah. I didn't write this with you in mind. <laughs> it was never a double. And and the funny thing is, now that I do the podcast, I understand at least oh. their side of finding out. Because with me, I I sit here, and as Frank will tell you, 
<laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I just go, I I can't think of anything else to ask you this just, guy. I don't know what I, you're talking yeah. about. Is it? It's like, fuck it. I know. You're, you're in the middle of looking at someone going, how did this hump get on the show? <laughs> well, there's been a fair amount of that. <laughs> well, you know how it is. I mean, you've interviewed people yourself. It's hard to, to find that, that smooth line between just the regular conversation and the, and the stilted interview question that sets yeah. up the story. The way Leno, yeah. the, you know, the way Leno would do it clumsily. Oh yeah, Leno was always like, "Someone, I heard you were caught in an elevator with a gorilla." Yeah, <laughs> I don't know where well, I heard it. I think the best was uh, Mike Douglas was the best at that. Like, like who, whatever you know. I mean, you could talk about the demise of a family member, and then he'd go <laughs> right to the next question. Just he would never could. Could not do anything but what was on the cards. It was always great. I think it's one of the reasons Carson got so so much praise because he was actually uh, artful about it. Yeah, he just said, "Well, a- somebody was telling me backstage about this thing," and he'd kind of segue into into the conversation. You didn't quite know that he was reading the questions off the cards. Yeah, I think it, it's it's. I get it. I get it. I understand how they want everything prepared. I understand people's heads are on the block if you screw up, but. Um, it is without, I mean, at least the advent of a uh, podcast, you get to, uh, know people a lot more, but I mean, like I was looking at an old Dick Cavett and Woody Allen came on and he did comedy. He played his clarinet. Oh yeah. He told stories. He talked to politics, you know, I mean, it, and now it's just these tiny little clips. It's weird. Talk shows now, um, are, are just the the goal of a talk show is to make content for the internet, which is really weird. There's a lot know? of that, yeah, that, especially in late night. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. All, all of them are doing like like a stunt. Yeah, each night for the clip. Which you know, it's funny when I set the Tonight Show on fire, people often will say that I I was banned, but the reality was they they had me back on a week later doing like a bit with them. I mean, it's you can't get banned when 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 people are talking about it the next day, you know, I mean, I did way more damage on Arsenio Hall's show, but no sure. one ever talks about that. I was watching those <laughs> clips just just today <laughs> when I smashed the. Oh, when him wrestling wild. you and him trying to pull yeah. the stuff out of your hand. Please welcome Bob Cat, Ghost Wink. Thank you for having me on the show so much and for all your help over the uh, past, what is it, about six years. Yeah, yeah, thanks, man. Thanks, thanks for, for having me on. Uh, Listen, we go way back because, to the cab days. <laughs> and then I, and then, uh, I got thinking, um, what are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be rude or anything, but <laughs> will you still be able to help my career? <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, what I want to know is, do I still have to keep kissing your ass? <laughs> Why make it easier for the next guy? <laughs> Are you really quitting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then, let's, come on, let's cut right now. I saw that. I saw that. I hadn't seen it in 
you know, 20 years or whatever. And I watched it and I was like, oh, this is really violent. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but entertaining. I, yeah. I spray painted Paramount Sucks on the backdrop because he just got fired. Right. And I go, I go, well, let's not make it easy for the next guy who gets the job. And I spray paint Paramount Sucks. And then I start throwing the mattresses from the, the couch into the audience. And the crowd's going crazy. And then I... Just knocked over these two monitors, which cost about three grand, and put my Doc Martens through the back of it. And then he tapples me, and he's holding me down. Oh, I started to throw this uh, the, the couch or something through the back wall, but he tackles me. And as he's holding me down on the ground, he goes, thank you. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> the, the, the terrible injustice is that I have to pretend like I'm mad at him. <laughs> And then immediately I'm like booked on, you know, Regis and, and Kathy Lee, you know. And uh, my goal there was I was going to throw up on them. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, oh, I that's gonna, I know that's right. So I was going to take a bunch of, uh, eat a big breakfast and then have some Epicac and a coffee mug. <laughs> and then go, hey, how's, how's Cody? You know, Kathy Lee going about her family and then throw up. And I thought that'd be funny. And I told Shandling that story, and he's like, oh, can we put that on Larry Sanders? And I was like, yeah, but I kind of want to do that. And he goes, well, you know. So that was on Larry Sanders. And then I show up to do Regis and Kathy Lee, and they go, uh, hey, uh, saw your uh, Shandling. I go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I go, well, you know, it's just a joke. And, and then they pat me down, and in my coat pocket, there's a bottle of Epicac. <laughs> <laughs> you wind up spraying them with a fire extinguisher? Yeah, I just came out and because yeah. they said because I had said the Tonight Show on fire and they're like, hey, maybe we'll have you, uh, we'll give you a fire extinguisher. Wouldn't that be funny? I go, yeah, that'd be funny. And then I don't even let them get the introduction out. I just grabbed the fire extinguisher and I started hitting the two of them with it. But you know, I don't do that kind of stuff anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I love the PSA that you had to do after the yeah. Leno, after the Leno well, incident. Well, it's here's just the that's thing. just great. Gilbert, when when you do things, I, I'm sure it's the same way. It's like I I don't think I don't think often when I'm doing something, it's like well you liked it when I did this and this and this. I, I just assume well you're gonna like this too, and it's only you know hindsight. It, you know I I that line they talk about uh, us going over. I just see it in the rearview mirror. You know I don't. I don't think people are going to get upset when they get up at the things they do get upset at. I'm always surprised which ones they choose to flip out about. Yeah. Well, it's like when I was going through that whole tsunami thing, I was thinking, so wait, so everyone's shocked. You never heard me on the Howard Stern show. You never right. saw me at a roast. You never saw me on yeah. stage. You know? Yeah. It, it's just like uh, there's a, a, a bit of our culture that, uh, you know, in the 24-hour news cycle that needs these uh, stories like that for people to be upset about, but they're not really about anything. You know, anybody, I think I had a line about, when, you know, I said this after your thing, I was like, you know, nobody who had lost their home in the tsunami, and it's like, well, how's it going? It's like, well, I lost my my uh, son and my daughter, and uh, the house is destroyed. But I really can't get past what this New York comedian said about. <laughs> <it>. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't think <laughs> you know, people are offended for people that they—they're not. It's not. It's just not reality. It's just like I had some Japanese woman come over to me recently at some 
movie theaters. And she said, nobody in Japan <laughs> was was talking about, about, your, about your tweets or right. any of it. Yeah, or or the duck that you were the voice oh, of. Oh, yeah. The, the duck distanced himself from Gilbert. Yes. The duck was like going, The duck had no comment. Look, I don't... He does the voice. I'm the duck. We're two different, two different uh, people all together. It's funny you say that because one of the things that came up at that time that you heard a lot was, well, why did this company hire Gilbert Gottfried then in the first place? Oh, yes. They didn't know who they were getting yeah. into business with. Yeah. Well, I'll, every time I, I take a gig like that, I'm like, I, I'm going to blow this. I'm going to screw it up. You know, I I uh, I needed I needed some bread one year, and and Robin did a Snickers commercial, and and he held out and said, "Well, I want it. I want Bobcat to be in it with me." And he calls up and he's like, "So they're going to ask you the commercial, so just tell them no." I was like, "Okay." So I was like, "No, I'm an artist," you know. And then he came back with more money. <laughs> And I go, I go. What do I do now? He goes, No, 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 don't tell him yes now. You know, don't, don't tell him no. So, so, uh, so I take the commercial. But then he calls me up and he goes, So uh, they want you to do the voice. Are you okay doing the voice? Because he knows I have a weird relationship with the character people know me for. And I go, Robin, for the amount of money Snickers is paying, I will fuck a Snickers bar on. <laughs> By the way, I should say it's a great candy bar. <laughs> It's a really good, delicious candy bar. Uh, and I'm not saying that because I signed a lot of paperwork, <laughs> saying that I would never say anything negative. Even if I didn't sign that paperwork, I would tell you it's a great candy bar. Well, my, my favorite tweet that I got around that time when I was in trouble was, Affleck fires Gilbert Gottfried after discovering he's a comedian. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Since you brought up Robin, uh, Bob, I just yeah. want to—I just want to talk uh, quickly. I just want to tell our listeners: yeah. we got a lot of people listening to this show now uh, about World's Greatest Dad, which is uh, arguably his best performance. I mean, uh, I love him. In, I love him kind. in The Fisher King. I mean, I, he did—you know, Dead Poet Society did great yeah. work. But uh, you know, what a what a plum role for him, and he's just so good in it. Well, he wasn't going to—you know, he he read the script, asked me to read it because he thought he'd play, like, a, a small part, and then it would help me get funding. But then he called me up and said, hey, can I play the guy? And I was like, sure. I mean, I wouldn't—if I was going to write a movie for Robin, I wouldn't write him as an English teacher. I think right. I think he, yeah, I think he covered that. that pretty well. But, um, yeah, you know, so we're already friends when we started the movie. I mean, I was—you know, it's funny. I do say—I do know I was his best friend because I— I spent time bored out of my mind with him, and I don't think people can even imagine, you know, uh, just he would play this first shooter video game all the time, uh, Call of Duty. And then one day I was just, I don't know, he'd be like, hey, come hang out, and I'd be watching him play his game board. And, but he'd be swearing because he's playing with other people, you know, <laughs> on the internet. And I go, how old are these people you're playing? And he's like, I don't know, 12, 13. And I'm like, I just love the idea that like years go by. I don't know, that's just some kids hearing this story going, the genie from Aladdin did call me a cocksucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I was like, I didn't know how we were going to work together. He'd, he'd been in other things I'd done, but, but I hadn't been number one on the call sheet. So I was nervous, you know, that I would say, okay, let's do a take and let's do it really quiet and calm and 
And I thought he was going to say, uh, I have an Oscar and you are in hot to trot. I think we'll do it the way I want to do it. <laughs> but that wasn't the case at all. You know, it was uh, it was uh, a true collaboration. It was a lot like uh, uh, God Bless America with Joel Murray. That was another collaboration, you yeah. know, where where, you know, they're they're bringing a lot more than even just an actor. You know, they they they. Joel had a lot of great ideas that were reflected in the in in God Bless America, and Robin had a lot of great ideas. Robin made me laugh. You know, is one of the first things he said was, uh, he goes, "So this is a beard movie, but I don't have a beard." You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and he was the one that decided to strip off all his clothes at the end of the movie. And I go, "Well, let me think about that." And then I turned around and I said, "Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do that." So, it's so well done. Oh, thanks, thanks, thanks. Yeah. So it's, I'm, you know, it's it's. You know, if I had to pick, like, the movies that I'm, you know, I've made seven now, but the two that I'm probably the most connected to, it would be World's Greatest Dad, because Robin and I, and then Call Me Lucky, the one I did on Barry, you know, Mm -hmm. which we're we're turning that into a narrative movie. I'm working with Judd Apatow on a a script, and we're going to make that a, 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 a feature film, yeah. The whole cast in World's Greatest Dad, by the way, too. And and Daryl Sabara uh, playing the oh, son, wonderful. Yeah, he's great. He wonderful. was in the Spy Kids movie, and I recognized him. Did you? I never yeah. seen him. So, yeah. so he came in and he just stayed in character, and he was really great. But I was like, I, I'm conflicted because he seems like such a horrible person. <laughs> but, but I feel he'd be really good in the movie. And I called up people, and they go, Daryl, Daryl's a really nice kid. What are you talking about? So he was just so locked in. So we had another meeting, and he thought he was auditioning again. I was like, no, I just wanted to know if you were an asshole. And, like, <laughs> and then I saw, like, the character break away. And, uh, and uh, you know, Daryl now still remains to be, uh, like, kind of part of the family and very close to him. Gilbert, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you watch this movie because you're, oh. you're going to like it. No, we, it sounds good. We had Carl Spoiler Ryan. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, a baby may or may not get shot in the movie in the first couple minutes. But in my defense, that kid was an asshole. No. Um, yeah, oh, so oh, I know what you're referring to. Yes, in the other movie. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and, and God, God Bless America. America. Yeah, I'm oh, going to yeah, make, wa- make him watch both of them. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I thought, oh, World's Greatest Dad. Oh, yeah, and, World's Greatest Dad I was referring we to. we also worked together on CSI. Yeah. You did? Yes. Yeah. Where uh, uh, at the beginning. Beginning of the show, uh, Jeff Ross uh, dies. He's yeah. doing a set, and he, he gets falls killed. to the ground dead. And it's either me or Bob who who's the killer. Killed him. Yes. And and before the show aired, I couldn't talk uh, publicly enough about that I was the killer. It just made me laugh. <laughs> like to be on the radio. Yeah, I'm the killer. People would be so mad. But. You know, I often say that I retired from acting the same time they stopped hiring me. But um, the reality is, is that that was the end of my acting career. Uh, because if you remember it, I'm very, I'm very serious. And oh yes, you know, I'm, yes, I'm, I have I'm, to see I really this. hit the. I mean, yeah, and I, you know, and uh, oh, you, you have a line in it, and <laughs> you, you could tell all the writers probably thought this was Shakespearean. Where you're a comic on stage and you go, I killed today. Oh. And, uh, oh I so just got shit chills. I just got shit chills. <laughs> <laughs> but like people are like going, oh, you were so good at it. And I was like, uh, I'm never going to be a good actor. I'm going <laughs> to. 
I'm going to concentrate behind the scenes. Um, also, uh, I was wondering, is because I, I mean, I know you do Bella a lot, but it, do you do you have an infinity for the movie Ed Wood? Or oh yeah, he likes that. Oh, we, we yeah? had we had Larry and Scott here. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The the they, they're the same writers who wrote Problem Child. Problem Child, yeah. There you go. Which that's uh, <laughs> there was some other crazy connection between Problem Child and Ed Wood besides them. I can't remember which one. Oh but, well, I said there is a link to Problem Child and every other film they did, and that there is that weird thing like like this disrespected but sometimes popular Ed Wood. Right. You know, a, a guy who's frowned on in the, in the movie business like they were. Uh, and then there's like a movie like Big Eyes about something that's popular culture that no one respects, but is is the public. Right, right, right. It. Oh, you know what I think? I think it was some sort of uh, Max Cady reference. Was what? Because remember, that's what he's watching. Oh, in Cape Fear, in- oh, yeah, yes, right. Yes. That's right. They, 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 he's, he's watching, watching Problem Child. Yeah, we talked about it with Ileana. <laughs> and he's <laughs> cackling like <laughs> a maniac. Right. <laughs> so that's how you know he's crazy if he thinks Problem Child's funny. <laughs> they should have just had the cops come in, take him away during the movie. <laughs> You're watching a movie with Gilbert Gottfried? I, I have an affinity for both uh, Ed Wood and the movie. I really love that movie, and I and I don't think Ed Wood's the worst filmmaker ever. I I I think his films are always passionate. I think he, you know, he he, he they're imaginative. There, there's way more pedestrian filmmakers than Ed Wood. I mean, you know, so I don't I don't think he's the worst filmmaker by well, far. The films that are remembered as being the worst films that are picked in the worst film, are the ones that people enjoy watching. Yeah, there's a certain charm to them. Yeah, and yeah. it's like there's plenty of worse shit out there that's yeah. coming out every day. I mean, you can't make a a, a bad cult movie. There's There's got to be this weird passion, I think, that the filmmaker, and maybe it's also some naive thing where, you know, the, you know it's just that they're blinded by. But... I uh yeah I do love Ed Wood I um I guess I kind of modeled my career after Ed Wood in a way you know I make really <laughs> tiny movies and I work with my friends and I you know I I I elude uh, box office success uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's my formula. It's very inspiring, I have to say, Bob. I was doing doing the research on you, and I watched a lot of interviews, and I listened to your interview with Mark Maron. And th- this idea that you just decided, I don't want to be in anything that I wouldn't watch. Yeah, I just kind of, you know, I say, you know, you, you, you keep quitting until you end up someplace you don't want to leave, and that happened great, to me. Great and line. the weirdest, the weirdest thing right now, I've never been busier. Um, you know, I just, uh, I have an anthology series on True TV, um, that I'm filming and uh, that'll come out next year. And I just shot a pilot with Michael Patrick King and Bridget Everett for Amazon. So I'm working on, and then and during all of that, I went and shot patent special. So I'm, I'm very, very uh, busy. Um, so when I'm ego surfing on the internet and someone makes a joke like, uh, <laughs> well, I get it, but you know, 
they assume that I'm I'm I don't know. I mean, I, I guess they just assume I'm I'm hanging out with Screech or something. I mean, I don't know what they think. <laughs> Again, I don't know. <laughs> you, know I, you know, it's like just because I'm not in front of the camera doesn't mean that I'm not busy. I'm actually really busy. But oh, and I, I mean, you know, that guy that the 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 killer just now in Portland. I shouldn't bring this up in your show, but I looked at a photo of the guy and I go, man, he looks like me from the '80s, and. Uh, I'm like, oh, man, I wish that didn't happen. You know, so all the tweets are, hey, it's good to see Bobcat Goldthwait still alive. So I'm like, uh, but, you know, like I haven't done the same, so I got to have tough skin. Now, Oh, and I, I got to remember to tell you, you had a, a traffic altercation. Oh, with, yeah. Oh, I'm glad we didn't forget that. Jack Carter. Yeah, yeah. I was going to the Improv's Christmas party. And I'd already heard that he didn't like me. He went on some jag with a bunch of comics and just telling me how I'm not funny and all this stuff, whatever. But so my wife was backing into the the parking spot, and he just zooms in and takes it, the parking spot. And I actually got out and go, hey, we we were backing into that. He goes, well, it's my parking spot now. And he goes into the <laughs> – goes, goes into this – it's a Christmas party at the Improv. So I go – and uh, go into the club, and I get a screwdriver, and I and I steal his vanity license plate that says Jack Car. Oh, jeez! Uh, oh, this is great. So, so I'm walking back into the club, and I have the license plate under my jacket, and the cops come up, and they go, "Can we talk to you?" And then I go, "Yeah, over here." And when the cop went, when I said over here, I realized I wasn't in trouble because he had recognized me and stuff. And I said, "Well, Jack Car is a big asshole." And <laughs> I, I tell him the whole story, and I took his license plate. And I show him the license plate. I go, do you want me to put it back? He goes, ah, keep the plate. So, uh, yeah, the cop kind of let me go. And then I had Jack Carter's license plate hanging in my uh, rumpus room for years. I wanted to send a photo of me with a ski mask <laughs> with, his, with his vanity license plate. So I was doing a roast. And I told the story, and I said I'd like to apologize to Jack Carter. And I pulled his paper bag out, and I had the license plate. People realized it was a real story, and I gave it to him. And he fucking threw the little thing at me. He threw it back at me. He's like, you, I can't remember if it was like cocksucker or something like that. But, yeah, so sadly he and I did not become pals before that's, his demise. That's too bad. We had him booked here, and he went and died on us. <laughs> that's a that's a spite death. Yo, he he took it personally. To spite you. And I don't know exactly what he meant by this, and now I'll never find out. Jack Carter was on one show, and they mentioned me to him, and he said, oh, he's a rebate. A rebate? <laughs> a rebate. Not a reprobate? <laughs> yeah, no. He a said rebate. a rebate. <laughs> wow. Well, you know. And he took that to his grave. <laughs> You're a coupon. I, uh... I think there's, there's when you get to a certain age and if you're still working in, in comedy, you either, uh, you know, I don't know. There's just sore winners, you know, people who've had a good run and they're still mad. Well, he was you know? famously bitter about everybody. Yeah. 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 We'll send you, there's a funny thing called Shit Jack Carter Says, <laughs> which is which was listed, which was our, our friend Cliff Nesteroff put together. It was just rants at the end of Car Jack Carter's life. We'll send it to you. Good. It's quite. I, uh, it's quite good. Yeah, there's just uh, you know I I think uh, I I think uh, Gilbert and I are, are probably doing it right. You know, um, 
we're tenacious. We're still around, and um, I'm judging you, but I, I feel you're very happy. Is that right? Well, let's not go that far. <laughs> you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're miserable enough to be entertaining. Yes. But, uh, but you're not lonely. How's that? But, yeah, and it's, it's a funny thing, like, because both of us got famous around the same time. Yeah. Well, you're also both similar comics. I mean, you're what Michael O'Donoghue used to call cut a slash and burn comedy. Yeah. I mean, you mean bo- Gilbert and I. Both of you. Yeah, both of you. Yeah, you're yeah, kind yeah. of like anarchists. Yeah. The guys, guys well, that are deconstructing it at the same time that they're doing it, not to get too uh, artsy-fartsy about stand-up. But no, I, it, I, think, I think that was it. I mean, don't you think your early stand-up was making fun of it? Oh, yes. Yes. And I'll, here's a question I get all the time. So I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you because you probably get asked this all the time. Uh, everyone always says to me, where did you develop your personality, your whole delivery to me? So uh, what would you say as far as with you? Was there any conscious thought? I was like very derivative of you. No, um, <laughs> I said I want to get a piece of this uh, Alan Thick show. Uh, heat. <laughs> no, I was, um, you know, the people that influenced me were people like Andy Kaufman and George Carlin and Steve Martin and all those. But it wasn't ever like this is somebody I saw and I was going to make fun of them by doing a character. It was something that just came out of me, you know, and. My earlier sets were just me crying and, you know, reading a Dear John letter. And then I would stop and I would clean fish on stage. Um, I would say, does anyone have a fish? And my roommate would have some fish. And then once at the ding ho, I opened up this fish and this woman threw up immediately because the fish was rancid. And I just held the mic down so you could hear her retching over the PA. And then the club owner was just like, Bobby, you weird. You weird. Oh, and then the next comic, Bill Campbell, very funny, bossy comedian, but his comedy is just, you know, I'm a dad recently, you know, and just <laughs> fish entrails and vomit all over the stage. Who influenced me? I don't know. I mean, did your persona just evolve from every time you got up on stage? That, that's really it. Yeah. I never put any conscious effort into it. It's yeah. not like people think, oh, did you have some eccentric uncle or something? Right. Yeah. Or and that, like, our script, our, our, it's not like our stand up was a script and we looked at it and said, now I got to come up with a character for this script. It was just going up on stage in this thing that is an extension of both of us. It's not like some, you know, it's not, it's, it's a very slippery slope when we start talking about characters because. As much as I love Jerry Lewis, you know, he starts, oh, talking yeah. about, <laughs> starts talking about the kid and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, it's uh, it, I wouldn't say that they're not us, even though they are us. I, I have the same feeling. Like, either persona, I feel like, uh, to me, it's a Jekyll and Hyde thing. So yeah. both of them are real. Yeah, that's a well. This is a good way to wrap this up. We started on the Universal <laughs> Monsters. Yeah, there you go. You're and also now we're back. You're also both, at, uh, uh, if I may say, comfortable. You, you both like the idea of making an audience uncomfortable. You, 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 Bob. You like to set. You set out with the idea of creating a sense of awkwardness sure, and unease. Sure, that's, that, and, you, and that's Gil- what, Gilbert does it too. 
And, you know, Tom Kenny said that's why I started making movies. He was like, uh, he said that I could no longer surprise or make an audience uncomfortable that came to see me do stand-up because they were happy to watch me do that. That That's probably why I started making movies because now I can um, make them awkward and upset by, by <laughs> stories I'm trying to tell. So what else is coming up? You you, you said you're working. You, are you doing that Ray Davies project? I've been, uh, you know, I just saw him a few weeks ago. I, I That's my dream project, but unlike uh, my other movies, that one is a musical and it's going to take a lot more money because uh, right. my movies make hundreds of dollars. I don't think you understand. <laughs> hundreds of dollars. So um, that's if I ever get a budget, but we we are still, we're, I'm trying to get that going. That's my, you know, I'm, I haven't given up on it and Ray's still involved. So uh, I just want to do it right. You know, I told Ray, that if I ever made that movie and he didn't like it, I'd want to I'd want to kill myself. So I want to I want to do a, a good job or at least make it when I'm really sad. Well, Gilbert's very amused by the idea. Did you really write 11 screenplays after World's Greatest Dad? Yeah. Because yeah. Gil- Gilbert loves the idea of the gay Billy Jack movie. Oh, yeah. oh <laughs> I will do that. Oh, I you wrote must, that you one. You must do that. I, I, I wrote that one. I'm going to have to ask you to stop using that word. <laughs> it's come up on this show, Billy Jack. Yeah, I, I just, uh, I, you know, my wife at the time, uh, she was the 09. She was like, um, I go, I'm tired of being broke. I'm going to write a genre picture, uh, you know. And I go, I loved Billy Jack movies as a kid, so I'm going to write a Billy Jack movie. So uh, I started writing it, and she came down. She goes, how's it going? I go, that's about 40 pages in. I go, he's gay now. And uh, and she goes, she goes. We're just gonna keep renting, aren't we? I go, yeah, yeah. We're gonna rent. Do you, do you stay in touch with Savage Steve? Yeah, I work, yeah. I worked for him too. Oh, really? Yeah, I what wrote an episode on? of Eek the Cat. Oh wow! I but so you- yeah, Savage Steve. Uh, you know, we flirt with the idea of, of doing uh, uh, one crazy summer. Uh, movie that would be one of the few things that i would actually be willing to hit the boards again for oh he's the best now now why you've uh retired from stand-up a number of times well no i just said i'm probably not going to do it uh when i was directing and stuff but you know got misconstrued nobody it wasn't like sinatra retiring no one really cared i mean yeah But whenever I got back into it, it was always because there's a connection that I would make with an aw- I No, when I needed money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I missed that. There's a hug that no woman can give me. That's from Mr. Saturday Night. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there's a hug that no woman can give me. And every guy wants to be me and every woman wants to fuck me. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't had that feeling yet on stage. <laughs> that's that's the perfect segue to this thing I want to go out on, uh, Bob. We've 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 talked about Gilbert loves to mock the idea that uh, of women who say that they really want to be with a funny guy. Yeah, you know, we've talked about this on the show. And I Bob, think that's yeah. true. Uh, yeah, I think they do appreciate a sense of humor. They just don't appreciate the other part of the stand-up comic. They don't, you know. I want to, <laughs> I want to be with someone who makes me laugh. They don't want to be with someone that's full of shame and self-doubt and loathing and <laughs> they, they, they sits in the fetal position crying. You know, so, yeah, that, that negates. It doesn't matter how funny you are. It's that other side of <laughs> That's the part that's, 
that's the I the loved your, your, the, the line the I saw you say was you don't you, they don't want to be with a guy who cries while he masturbates. Yeah, which, yeah, which that's, I loved. That's, that's the they like the funny part. The rest, uh, the rest, no. We could go on. You gotta go. Yeah, oh, wait, do, wait. We always, uh, we almost forgot. What's what did we forget? We we, we before we end each show. Well, we have to say we haven't even scraped the surface. Oh, our engineer says we always say. <laughs> yeah. You know, we we got there's so much we could talk to you about. We wanted to ask you about George Gaines too from Police Academy. Well, we should. I, I should just come back. We'll come back. More. Come back. Yeah. Just, but we didn't talk about Richard Donner, and we didn't talk about. Uh, uh, I love Don. I got great stories about him. We got to talk oh. about Shakes the Clown. And no, all. we don't want you to come back. Can you tell us <laughs> off the air? And... <laughs> He's pissed that we waited 170 episodes to call him. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be back here at, uh, at 340. Um, there's, there's a lot we didn't touch on, so we'll, we, hope, no, we, hope, you'll, we hope you'll come back. Yeah, please. I would love to. Thanks a lot. And please go see uh, Gilbert's movie. It's uh, it's insightful not only into Gilbert, but into the mind of any comedian that has anything to say. And that's nice of you. And wow, to, thank you. And to our listeners, please see Bob's movie, um, uh, both uh, God Bless America, which is c- uh, cathartic. And Joel Murray's hilarious, by the way. Yeah, Joel's great. In, in it, and also World's Greatest Dad, which my wife and I were howling at the other night. And if you... Uh, just watch or call me lucky, but that's a really heavy movie. I, I, uh, it's, uh, it's about as heavy as a movie gets. So, uh, well, thanks for having me on. I thought I'd end on a lull and I did it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Gil. Well, this has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co host, Frank Santo Padre, and a man who most importantly liked my documentary. <laughs> that's what that's what he'll forever be remembered remembered for, for. yes that'll be my <laughs> on my grave our friend bob bob is it's not bobcat anymore is it? oh i like bobcat i don't yeah, okay I, not, our, I haven't gone insane yeah our friend bobcat goldway bobcat thanks man thank you Refill is the smarter prescription refill service. No more standing in line at the chain drugstore for your monthly medications. Because with Phil, your monthly medications are filled by top-rated, locally-owned pharmacies and delivered to your door for free. They troubleshoot insurance and chase after doctors. So you don't have to. Go to phil.us slash Gilbert to get $20 off your first prescription. That's phil, like the person, dot us forward slash Gilbert.